Good morning, church family. How are we doing? Good. Good to see you. Uh, we are continuing in our family series. Just to recap, the first weekend we talked about what it means to fight for your family, the war that is being waged on, on God's idea and picture of the family. The next week we talked about secrets of marriages. Last week we talked about some principles around parenting. If you've missed any of these weeks, any of these messages, I'd encourage you to go back on our podcast or on our Facebook page uh, and, and catch up on these messages. As Angela said, today I want to speak to all the unmarried folks in our house. Uh, before you check out, because maybe you don't fit into that category, uh, I, I want to encourage you. Uh, married people, we have some things that we really need to learn and understand about God's heart for the unmarried and single people of our church. Now, we have a lot of single people in our church. And uh, some of them are young, maybe going to college. Some of them are a little older. Some are divorced. Some are widowed. Uh, some are single parents. Uh, some stats for you. 45% of all adults over 18 right now in America are unmarried. 45%. Of that 45%, 61% have never been married. 24% are divorced. 15% are widowed. But let's compare this to what this used to look like. Back in 1960, only 28% of all adults were unmarried. So now marriage is actually on the decline and cohabitation is on the incline. And cohabitation basically means that you're living with someone without commitment or a biblical covenant. And 59% of adults have cohabitated at one point or another. 85% of people think that it's okay to cohabitate. So why those stats? Well, I think a lot of those stats are related to the next stats that I'm gonna give you. What, this is what's driving, I think, some of those stats about cohabitating. Over 50% of marriages end in divorce. 60% of second marriages end in divorce and 73% of third marriages end in divorce. In 2019, 2019, Arkansas had the highest divorce rate in America. So when you look at those stats, you can see why it's incredibly intimidating to consider marriage. That's, that's a scary deal. Because if you do have the desire to get married, the scariest thing is you've got to make a decision about who you're going to marry what that is going to look like. I think at one point or another, probably everyone had some fears around marriage. Uh, I know for me, I grew up in a broken home. Parents got divorced when I was 13. And so after watching the pain of all of that, after watching two people who, who love the Lord, married for 17 years and watching their marriage fall apart and watching the tr trials in the marriage as well, obviously that puts some a little bit of fear and anxiety in me when it came time for me to consider, you know, do I, do, is, like, can this work? Can this work? It seems like so many people in my family, there had been a lot of problems in marriages. And my extended family, really not a lot of successful marriages. And so I understood and understand some of the fears related to this, but I think what I would like for your pastor, and I know God's heart, is that 
if you're gonna make a decision about being single and not being single, that you don't base it on stats, but base it on biblical understanding, wisdom, and purpose. Being obedient to what God has asked you to do. So what does the word say about being single? Uh, Paul actually had a lot to say about it. And uh, Paul, man, he was, he was, we've read a lot of what he had to say. Uh, we, we build a lot of our faith in, in the, the early church, built a lot of how they did things based on what the Holy Spirit gave Paul. And so I think it's important for us to look at what does he say about singleness? First Corinthians chapter seven, starting in verse seven, says this, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. A lot of us have never read that verse before. It's like, what? <laughs> some of y'all, some of y'all, I need to just bind up the devil's lies right now. Because some of y'all are like, see? The Bible says it's better for me to be single. The problem is you're married. <laughs> Don't believe the lie. Yet each of you has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So I say to those who aren't married, to the widows, it's better to stay unmarried, just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. Okay, so I wanna just say this right now. There is a gift of singleness. You will know you have the gift of singleness if you never have the desire to be married, okay? Or more specifically, you never have a desire to have sex. That's how you'll know you have the gift of singleness, okay? In verse 27, it says this, if you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. Let me say that again. If you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, don't seek to get married. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it's not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles. And I'm trying to spare you from those problems. So obviously there's some contextual communication that's happening based on the time that this is written. There's a lot of persecution from the Roman government. So it's not necessarily like a great time to start a family, but it still applies to now because we're living in a day and age where there is an all out assault on biblical marriage. And so you have to understand that when you enter into covenant relationship with someone, the devil hates it. He's gonna do everything he can to destroy it and it makes it difficult. There's no doubt about it. So that still applies to us. Verse 32, it says, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking about how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities, how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with a few distractions, as few as distractions as possible. Okay, so some truths from this. I think first of all, we should never minimize singleness. We should not minimize. To minimize means you make something smaller or you reduce it. But he said in verse seven, I wish everyone were single just as I am. All right, that's a strong statement. 
Look, people who are unmarried are not second-class citizens. They aren't missing out on God's will. You need to hear that. They, they, we are talking about them in the family series. They are just as valuable a part of this family as any other structure of family. But I wanna give some encouragement if you are single. First of all, enjoy yourself. Just enjoy this season of life. People, I think, unknowingly or subconsciously sometimes encourage us to be discontent, like in every season. We have all experienced this because like, like you went through high school, right? You get to the end of high school. Where are you going to college? You figure that out, okay, you're in college, okay? Where are you gonna live? You're dating that girl, you gonna marry her? When are you gonna marry her? You get married, they're like, when are you gonna have kids? You have one kid, they're like, when are you gonna have two kids? You have two kids, when are you gonna have three? You have three kids, let's just be honest, after that, nobody's encouraging to have kids. <laughs> they look at anybody with more than three kids like we're to totally irresponsible. Like, what were you thinking? Do you not know how this works? It's truth. But we have a tendency to be discontent. Philippians 4.11. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it means to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Now, I think it'd be important for you to circle the word learned, because that means that Paul didn't always have this figured out. But what he is saying is we are not naturally content. In this context, he's specifically talking about his finances, but he applies it to a greater scheme of our life and understanding the secret to all of life, be content. Be content. Enjoy every season of life. Listen, your joy does not have to be seasonal. You can have joy in every season. Hebrews 12, two says this, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So here's the thing, if Jesus can have joy getting ready to go to the cross, I think we can find joy in any of the seasons that we could possibly go through. We can walk in joy. If you're always looking way down the road of what's next, you will miss so much of what God is trying to do here and now, and it's anointed and it's blessed and it's powerful and it's full of personal revelation. But you'll miss it if you're not learning to be content. Learn to be content. When you're single, you're as independent as you will ever be. When you're married, you're no longer living for yourself. You live for the other person's good. This hit Cody and I like a freight train when we got married because we're both pretty independent people. I was very independent. So when we got married, within the first few months, I was like, hey, by the way, I'm going to hang out with some guys tonight. And she's like, I'm sorry? You're what? I was like, it's just some guys, friends. They love Jesus. Not doing, not doing bad things. She's like, no, you, don't, you can't just tell me that you're gonna go hang out with some friends. We have to communicate. I was like, oh, yes. Isn't that what I'm doing? <laughs> I'm like, no. Days in advance. Weeks in advance. Like, you know, we, like, we just 
we had to learn to grow together, and it's amazing. But it is an adjustment. It's not easy. Marriage is incredibly enjoyable, but it is different. So I would encourage you, if you are single, take random road trips. Like, stay up late, pull pranks, travel, go on missions trips. If you're a guy, spend all of your money now. (laughs) While it's still your money. And if you're a girl, watch, please, all the sappy chick flicks that you need to. And get it out of your mind. (laughs) Like, just... Get your fill of the Hallmark Channel now. Sorry. I think it's also important that you prepare yourself. Being single is a great time just to prepare. I think a lot of times we like to skip the preparation phase of different seasons of our life. But in life, there's a preparation phase between where you're at now and what you ultimately desire. That happens throughout the word of God. If you think about David, David was the anointed king, but he went through 15 crazy years before he actually became king. But God was using that entire season as a preparation so that he could be the king that he called him to be. So don't try to shortcut the work that God is doing in you right now. God God does things in us when we're single that honestly can't really happen as easily when we're married. I'd encourage you fall in love with God before you fall in love with a person. Like madly deeply in love with, a, with God before you fall in love with a person. Let singleness be the time that you deal with yourself. We find yourself, figure out your purpose, get rid of some baggage, get healed. I'm so thankful for my first year in Bible school. And I made a commitment that during that year, I was not gonna date. And the truth is, I was a dating fool coming out of high school. Like, I just, I was like, all, I was dating a lot. And I, if I would have stayed on that path, there's just no telling. I'm so thankful that the Lord just put me in a season where I could just focus, man. I still think back to that year, my times with the Lord. They were intimate. I didn't have any distractions away from that. So important. I think it's important that you have seasons like that. I think it's important you check yourself. Check yourself, be patient. God's timing is perfect and flawless. Jesus says about prayer that if you will knock, and the door will be open to you. But here's the thing, we do the knocking, God opens the door. Okay, so marriage is a door that you want God to open, not yourself. So you knock, but you wait for God to open the door. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. His timing is perfect. I'd encourage you to act like you're taken right now. Be confident. If you trust God, if he has put a desire in your heart to be married, if you trust God and you believe 
then that you are already taken. So just act like it. Be confident in who you are in Christ. I remember when I was younger, before I could drive, there were these commercials that were on all the time for this car called a Geo Metro. I don't know if y'all remember these cars. There's just these little, they were like a death trap. Like they, they were like worse than a VW bug. But they, these cars, they advertised them to get over 50 miles a gallon. So I was like, the economics of it made a lot of sense to me. I'm like, this is awesome. Like I can put two gallons of gas in and drive for a month. Like this is, this is amazing. And so I remember seeing those commercials and I remember thinking like, I want one of those cars. They made them look so cool in the commercial. They were on all the time, over and over and over and over again. But you know what I don't remember ever seeing growing up? I never remember seeing a commercial for a Lamborghini. You don't see commercials for those kinds of cars. Do you know why? Because they know their value. So they don't have to advertise their product. If there's a car that has a lot of advertisements, they're trying to convince you that they're what you want, that they're valuable. So if you know your value, you won't have to advertise yourself that much. If you're not confident in your value, you will constantly be trying to convince people about how, how valuable you are. I just wanna throw that out there. This is a time for you to check where you are in your confidence and identity in Christ. When you start liking someone, give it some time. There's a good chance it's just a crush. And you need to give it some breathing room. Go hang out in groups, observe them. Girl, girls, when a guy asks you to go out, you don't have to say yes or respond right away. And some of you are thinking, well, what if I miss it? Come on. Do you really think that God is gonna punish you because you're trying to do his perfect will for your life? And let me say this clearly, if someone is not willing to wait for you, praise God, he just revealed they're not the person you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with. Some other things, we should not glamorize marriage to make something seem better than it is. Some things about that. Look, marriage is not required. It's not required. There's not a, that is not a scripture in the Bible that says that it's required. Paul, he was called and gifted to be single. Jesus was single. Marriage is not required. Marriage is not simple. Look, getting married is the second biggest decision of your life. Your first most important is to be saved and serve God, but spending the rest of your life with someone is huge. Again, the divorce rate is around 50%. In any area where there's 50-50 odds, I think it's important that we pay attention and really understand whether or not we have to do this. 
This is, if this is what God is calling us to do. 1 Corinthians 7, 28. However, those who get married at this time have troubles, and I'm trying to spare you of those troubles, those problems. Paul says marriage does not make life easier. He also said that when you're married, your interests are divided. So I'm not saying it's great. I'm just saying it's not simple. In fact, it's wonderfully complicated being married. When you get married, you experience the rawness and the reality of knowing someone deeply. And it's not simple. Marriage is also not wholeness. Marriage is not your savior. A spouse is not your God. Marriage is not two halves making a whole. Only God can make you whole. In Genesis 2.18, it says, the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. In verse 22, it talks about that. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. They became unified, but that does not mean they became perfect. Singleness is a gift. Marriage is a gift. Children are a gift and none of them are perfect. So many people walk into marriage with unrealistic expectations. And there's nothing wrong with desiring to be married, but marriage should not be the ultimate goal in life. What should be the ultimate goal? We should prioritize serving the Lord. 1 Corinthians 7.35 says this, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. What does it matter if you're married if you're not committed to God? What does it matter if you're married and you've lost your identity in Christ? If you have no idea who you are or what you're called to do, then you've missed your first purpose. Matthew 6.33 says this, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. So this is the picture that I've always had and I've communicated here before and I communicate to people who are in a season where they have a desire to be married in all different ages. They have a desire to be married, but they're struggling with, you know, how do I navigate this? The word talks about it in in Hebrews chapter 12, that we're in this race, that we're running this race and that there's this great cloud of witnesses that are watching us run this race. What is the race? The race is our purpose. The race specifically, I believe, has everything to do with us drawing closer and closer to the ultimate goal of 100% confidence in who we are in Christ. That is the race. And as we focus on that and run that race, the byproduct of us running that race is everything else that happens around us, including relationships, any kind of ministry, our careers, all those things should be the overflow of a life in pursuit of 100% confidence in who we are in Christ. 
And what I would tell you is if you are single, but you have a desire to be married and you believe that God has placed that in your life, run your race. And you run the race at the pace that God has set for you. And one day, if while you are running that race, you notice that someone is running about the same speed next to you. And the truth is you could run the rest of your race and you would be fine. But you realize as they run next to you, it helps you run even better. Because you can draw off of them. They, they, them encouraging you next to you helps you continue to run your race. That may be the person that God has called you to run the rest of your race with until his return. Maybe. But God has never called you to run your race and then see some person broke down in the ditch and you just stop running your race and pick them up and try to be their spiritual security, try to be their identity, try to be their confidence, try to get them up and running their race again. God wouldn't call you to do that. Run your race with everything you have and trust God that he'll bring somebody alongside of you that'll help you run your race even better. But it starts with getting the right goal in front of you. It starts with putting your goal as security in your heavenly father. A confidence of who he's created you to be. There's this phrase I heard in this song, actually it was the first part of, of, a, of a little chorus that we sang today, that that, that song is from uh, Maverick City. It, it begins with this phrase, I've never been loved more than I am right now. I think that that is so profound. You have to understand that you have never been more loved than you are loved right now. You see, it isn't a matter of, because so often the reason why these relationships get started and become really unhealthy from the very beginning, including among believers, is this codependency that you think this person is gonna supply the respect, the love, the everything that you're looking for. And God never designed you or planned for you to find that from anybody but him. And what he desperately wants for you to understand is you have never been more loved than you are loved right now. And it's when you allow that and that to be your pursuit and you can pull off the layers that are keeping you from experiencing the fullness of that love, that when that love gets inside of you, then you will find all the fulfillment that you could ever want in any area of life, including if God has called you to be married. But it starts with you resting in the fact I can be content because I've never been more loved than I am loved right now. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Father God, I just thank you for every unmarried, unmarried single person in this house. Thank you, God, for making them a part of our family. Thank you, God, for the value that they have. I thank you, Lord, that, that in this season, they are, 
they can have their interests undivided and fo totally focused on you and becoming the sons and daughters that you've created them to be. I thank you, God, for every unmarried person or single person that has the desire or knows that you've asked them or called them to be married, that they will trust and wait in your perfect timing and plan and purpose. God, that they wouldn't shortcut those things. Lord, that they would follow your word and do it the way that honors you and that brings you glory and not compromise in that because of fear or insecurity or what culture says. God, I thank you that you're with every one of those people. And I pray, God, that they would feel valued and purposed and called in this season. Strengthen them again, God, to run their race completely focused on you. But if you're in this place and you haven't established your goal, who are you running towards? What is driving you? Because until that is Jesus, until it is his identity, his calling, his purpose, his love, then the truth is nothing else will bring fulfillment. No one else will bring fulfillment. So if you are here and you don't have that identity, Maybe you feel like you're running and you're running hard, but the truth is, if, if you're really honest, you don't feel like you're running towards your purpose in God. You're not running towards a relationship and understanding that, a kingdom mindset. And maybe that is because you've never surrendered to him. You've never made him your ultimate goal. You've never made him your Lord and savior. Or maybe you just got off track. Maybe you got distracted. Maybe you went through a season where you let your goal be things or people. And finding fulfillment in, in those things. And so it got you off track. And maybe today you just need to come back to him. You need to rededicate your life to him. If you're in one of those places, you're ready to say, look, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to get back in my race. I'm ready to find my purpose for the first time and make Jesus my ultimate goal, my satisfaction, my fulfillment. If you're here today and you know that you need that, you need a relationship with God. Nobody's looking around. If that's you, would you please just put your hand up right now? As soon as I see your hand, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm just gonna ask you to put your hand up and I'll pray with you. Yes, ma'am, thank you so much. Anybody else? I'm just away from the Lord. I know that he's not my ultimate goal. I've made other things or other people my Lord. I've made other things, other people my goal. Okay, yes, sir, got you, bro. Thank you. Anybody else? I just need a relationship with Jesus. I'm away from him. Okay, Father God, I thank you so much for those couple of hands. Lord, I don't know their story or everything that they're going through, but I thank you, God, that you see them, that you love them. You have a plan and a purpose for their life that is unimaginable. If you raise your hand, maybe you need salvation or you need to rededicate your life, let's just talk to them. Let's confess that we need them. You just say something like this. Say, God, I know that, it, I know that I've made a lot of mistakes. 
I know that I've sinned. I know my sin separates me from you, but right now I come before you and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And I thank you that he paid the price for my sin, past, present, and future, but he didn't just pay for my sin and save me from that, but he rose from the grave. He defeated sin and he defeated death so that I can have a purpose. And I know my first purpose is to know your love. So help me to grow in an understanding of that love. Thank you that you give me your spirit that helps me to understand that. You give me your word that helps me understand that. You give me the body of Christ so I can be connected and encouraged in that purpose. Right now, I surrender my life to you as my Lord. I want you to have control. Lead me and guide me. Thank you for doing that. If you made that decision today, you pray that prayer, I encourage you to tell somebody about it. The word says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you can be saved. So you've believed in your heart. Maybe you said that prayer loud enough, your own ears to hear. Maybe people around you heard it, but I'd encourage you to declare it. Tell somebody. A great way to declare your faith in Jesus is through water baptism. We'll have an opportunity to do that coming up in the next few weeks but I encourage you to go public with your faith. Father, again, thank you. Thank you for every person of every season in this body of believers. And I thank you, God, that every person who's unmarried, every person who's single, whatever the situation or circumstance that presents them in that season, I pray that they would be encouraged. I pray, Holy Spirit, you pour yourself out on them. I thank you, God, for the value they have in your kingdom, but also just in this house and in our community and how they encourage us, how they serve, how they commit themselves wholly to your work and to serving you. Thank you for them. Bless them, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen.